0: For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set your mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. There is a change that happens when the Holy Ghost steps in. If you were here last Sunday, you heard Brother Jerry Jones preach on John chapter 3 and he began to talk about that wind that blows in when the Holy Ghost comes and he linked John chapter 3 to Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost was fully come and there suddenly came a sound as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. When the Holy Ghost moves in, usually you know it. So it is that... I've I've looked through the Old Testament. In the Old Testament you have Moses, a great man of God, did incredible things. But at the end of Moses' life, he's unable to enter into the promised land because of his failures and because of his sin. Moses may have been justified by faith, but a little bit of his story seems to end on a sour note. David, a man after God's own heart, yet his story ends with him being unable to build the temple that he wants to build to God because of his failures. Solomon starts strong, but I promise you, probably most of us remember the end of his life by a life marred with mistakes and sins and 800 wives and concubines. Jonah died a hero, but we think too often of all of his sins, all of his failure. As you read and study the Old Testament, I find over and over and over that God's power is with mankind, but they never seem to get free of their failure. They never seem to get free of their sin. Every Old Testament story seems to have a caveat that God was with them, but there's always a pause. God was with them, but they failed. And then you get to the New Testament, and the disciples weren't any better Peter openly rebuked Jesus multiple times. Peter was even called Satan one time. They argued about who was the greatest. They were petulant. They were childish. They were racist and they were haughty. Peter chopped off ears. Never quite figured out what Jesus was trying to say. Even ended the gospels with Peter denying and cursing God himself. Saul steps on the scene and he, he, he consents to the stoning and the death of, C, of, of Stephen. He holds the coats of the men who threw the stones that took Stephen's life and he reveled in it in so much that Saul became consumed by a mission that I'm going to take all of those who believe in Jesus Christ and I'm going to destroy them. He put them in jail. He convicted them. I believe he probably had at least the the final say in some of their execution. But there is one major difference from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That while their failures are recorded in black and white for all to see, the end of the lives of New Testament believers end greater than when they began. We don't remember Peter for his failures. We remember Peter for standing on the day of Pentecost and saying this is what the prophet Joel spoke we don't remember Saul for all of the people he put to death and all of the stonings that he was involved in no we remember a man whose name was changed to Paul and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and we begin to realize what God has done there's something that happens when you are born again I cannot preach it again. I can't preach it nearly as good as Brother Jerry Jones preached it. But I would remind you of John chapter 3 when he said unless one is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And if he went a little bit further, John chapter 3 verse 5, I tell you except one be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. There is a change that begins to happen when the Holy Ghost steps in. Now let me give you a little uh, 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 lesson on, on semantics. There's two words that we can throw around and we bandy around. Pentecost and apostolic. Pentecost refers to the experience that happened on the day of Pentecost and throughout the book of Acts that you find in the scriptures. And so it is that if a person believes that the spirit is real, If a person desires that infilling of the Holy Ghost, if that person has even experienced somewhere the infilling of the Holy Ghost, especially when it comes with that accompanying sign of speaking in other tongues, then they are Pentecostal. There are Pentecostal Catholics. I've met them. They they, they ascribe to much of the Catholic uh, catechism, but they also believe that the Holy Ghost is real. There are Pentecostal Methodists. There are Pentecostal Baptists. There are Pentecostal Minionites. There's a lot of people that are Pentecostal because they believe in the infilling of God's Spirit and they believe in tongues. Now apostolic comes around and, and it really depends on how you want to look at it. Most people will say apostolic is one who follows the entirety of the, the doctrine that the apostles taught. I've preached a message Uh, Behind this pulpit, it was at the other church, but behind this pulpit called distinctly apostolic. Apostolic, they preached that there was only one God, that the same God who created heaven and earth was the same God who became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The apostles preached the same thing that God told them in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God, and all things that were made were made by him. And then it goes on to say in verse 14, and the word became flesh that God became flesh and dwelt among us that on the cross God did not die don't you ever think that God did not die on the cross there wasn't three days where there was no God in the heavens to make sure the earth didn't fly out of orbit oh no what died on the cross was the flesh they would believe in, and they would preach salvation for there is only one name given under heaven among men Acts chapter 4 verse 10 whereby we must be saved they would preach Acts two thirty-eight. then Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call, you can't just take a little bit out of the book of Acts and call yourself apostolic. you got to take all of it out of the book of Acts. They were distinct in separation. They weren't the same people they were before they got saved. Peter had an entire lifestyle change. He he wasn't that that impetuous, boisterous, uh, uh, arrogant person that he was before he was saved. Go read his gospels, or go read his his epistles rather. See what Peter had to say there. They were distinct in their talk. They were distinct in the way they conducted themselves. They were distinct in every aspect of their life. They said, "We don't want to even. We don't want anybody to think that we were that person ever again." They were changed. They were distinct in their mission. Several times in the book of Acts, people would say, "These are the men." That turned their world upside down. You don't do that by accident. You don't turn your world upside down just by getting up and kind of lollygagging through life. You turn the world upside down when you make it your mission. When they took the Lord's words and put them in their hearts, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them, letting signs and wonders follow. They were distinct in their giving. They were crazy givers. Go look through the book of Acts and watch the offerings they took up and and how they did it. They were distinct apostolic giving, and it was apostolic preaching. But I want to just tell you for a moment, if I may, I would like to tell you we've got to get beyond the experience of Pentecost, and we've got to get into a life of an apostolic god Given change it is not enough just to be touched by the spirit it is not enough just to be tickled by the spirit it's not enough to just get goosebumps on a Sunday when the music's thumping and everything's going it's not enough just to say I believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost I'm thinking about the book of Ezekiel chapter 37 that valley of dry bones he said, "Prophesy, Ezekiel, to that old valley of dead, dry, desiccated, separated bones." And so Ezekiel began to prophesy, and those bones begin to rattle; those bones begin to shake. And I promise you, if I'm Ezekiel, that's a whole nother experience. I don't know if I'm quite ready for it. They're singing songs now on uh, whatever the gospel or Christian station is. What is K Love or whatever? Joy FM. Dry bones rattling. I'm thankful for dry bones rattling. But just because the dry bones rattling doesn't mean there's any life just because there's a moving and a shaking doesn't mean there's any life there's got to be something more than just wind blowing there's got to be something more than just bones coming together but the Bible didn't leave it at shaking bones it put them connected bones and then it put sinews and tendons and muscles and skin over them and then the wind blew in them and filled them until they became living creatures once again I'm here today to tell you we need more than a quiver we need more than a shake I need Jesus to make me whole and I need Jesus to give me new life and that more abundantly. 2 yeah. Corinthians 5.17 If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We've been introducing or at least going over our core values of Lighthouse, that Lighthouse is a loving church, a worshiping church, a biblically strong church, a giving church, a disciple-making church, an equipping church, and a sending church. We've plastered that on our website. We're trying to f- make some, some some wall hangings that will be in our prayer room that will remind us that of those values. But the other, uh, this last week, I was kind of in this, this contemplation, a little bit of prayer going on, and I begin to think, I, I, and I don't want to do it because we have seven core values, and seven is God's number. You know, it's that holy number, if you believe in that kind of stuff. And I hate to make eight. Because I have no idea what eight represents. It probably says something. But... But, but I think at the very top of that, it needs to just say, we are an apostolic church. Because when you let the Spirit in, When you have that Holy Ghost experience, I remember the old song, I got that Holy Ghost down in my soul. Just like the Bible said, I've been to the water and I've been baptized and there's a change that begins to happen. When you have that Holy Ghost experience, it ought to do more than just shake you. It ought to change you. Because the Bible says that that the Spirit comes in and it leads and guides us into all truth. I'll come back to that in a minute. It leads and guides us into all truth. And so if you are Holy Ghost filled, then you ought to be a worshiping church, a loving church, a biblically strong church, a giving church, a disciple making church, a sending church, and an equipping church. It's just natural because that's who He is. So... And I realize that that there'll be another sermon I preach that we need to be Pentecostal because, you know, I'm not making a doctrine out of it. But can I tell you I don't want to be just spirit filled? It's more than just spirit filled. It's spirit essential. For me, spirit filled is not an option. It's not just a great gift that God can give that, that makes me more spiritual or more closer to Him. I would tell you right now, Moses replied in Exodus chapter 33, and you can turn there, but God's a little mad at the children of Israel after some of that golden calf experience around Sinai. In Exodus 33, the Lord says, you know what? I'm done. How about this? Because I promised you the promised land. Actually, I didn't promise you. I promised your grandfather's. So I'm not going to go back on my promise. So I'll let you go to the promised land. I'll even give you an angel to lead and guide you. And you can go have the promised land. But I'm not going with you. And Moses stepped back. And Moses replied in verse 16. Oh no. If you don't go... I don't go. I'm not just wanting the promise. I don't want just the blessing. I don't want just the good things. But here's the thing. I need your spirit. It must go with me. Oh, wait, wait. wait. Let me back up. Don't just go with me. Lead me. I'm not carrying the Holy Ghost in my back pocket just like a handkerchief or a billfold. full. But no, I need God to go before me, to lead me, to guide me. It's not Holy Ghost uh, feeling. It's not Holy Ghost indwelling. It's Holy Ghost essential. I cannot have it without, or I cannot be anything without you. We're not just spirit moved. We're not just spirit touched. We're spirit led. I'm thankful for my experiences. I've had those moments in a church service where the power of God is blown in. I've had those moments where I couldn't even hardly move in his presence. And I go around and said, man, didn't you feel the presence of the Holy Ghost? I'm not denying those moments. I'm not denying those experiences. I want them every time I can experience them. But it's more than that. Ephesians chapter 6. Was it this last Wednesday I think we led off or two Wednesdays ago we led off in prayer and we talked about the armor of God and and all of that. But the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, it goes through all of the armor and it says, but then you need the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So at that point in that verse, God's Word and God's Spirit become intertwined. That here it is, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Here's the question: that hundred thousand million dollar question. Are you willing to let the Holy Ghost lead you and guide you into all truth? John 16:13. Jesus said it this way: and when the spirit of truth comes. He will lead and guide you into all truth. That Holy Ghost that we sing about and talk about and preach and worship and and love, it ought to do more than just give you goosebumps. It ought to get you into the Word of God. And then the more you read the Word of God, the more you consume the Word of God, the more you're in that living Word of God, the Spirit quickens. The Spirit convicts us where we need to change something, where we need to do something differently, when all of a sudden that Holy Ghost moves in and there is a change. I'll help you out. This world is not looking for a Spirit-touched church. I I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm in this community. I'm making it a point to be in the community. I'm making it a point to not cloister myself up in just a, a, a Pentecostal church and, and never see this world. I'm rubbing shoulders with them every chance I get. Can I tell you? There's a hungry, lost, and dying world out there that's desiring for there to be a church that's not just touched by the Holy Ghost, but that's in, 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 in just filled until it overflows, saturated by the Holy Ghost. We've had guests walk into this church that have walked through this, this prayer room and said, I've never seen anything like that in all the churches I've ever been in. Why? Because they were seeing not just a Holy ghost touch church, but a Holy Ghost-saturated church. This world, I, I've, I've, I've threatened, and I'm going to do it. I just, I'm just going to have to raise money, and y'all going to have to help me, and I'm not ready to ask you for it yet because I want you to get good and ready for it. But at some point, we're going to have us a tent revival outside. And I'm not going to say, hey, come to a tent revival where the music's good. And I'm not going to say, come to a tent revival where you'll feel the presence of God. And I'm not going to say, come to a tent revival where, 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 where everything, you know, you'll, you'll get a free bike if you come. I'm going to get, web, I'm gonna get a, a, a billboard, Brother Shane Singleton, You hear me? He's right behind that wall. But Shane, you're going to help me out. He's got the contact. But it's going to say this. Are you sick? Are you dying in your sin and trespasses? Are you tired of not hearing the word of God? Or do you need a change in your life? Is your marriage broken? Are your children lost? Is there something you desperately need from God? Then you need to park yourself in that tent revival where we're going to preach until the Holy Ghost flows, until the presence of God comes down, and we're not going to stop until it saturates and overflows. Come on, what this world needs more than just a Holy Ghost touch church. What this world needs more than just a Sunday morning, excited time in God is it needs a one God tongue talking, apostolic, Holy Ghost filled, holy living. I'll run and shouting, fervent, praying, discipleship making, giving beyond our means, change from within, church. Do you drive in your community? There are churches all around this community. They don't need another church. They need you. They need a Holy Ghost filled person that's overflowing. Let me help you out. The Spirit is not just active on a Sunday like today when we've had a little shouting up here and we've had some great exhortation and the worship's been going on, but that Holy Ghost needs to overflow on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. They need someone to walk into work tomorrow filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, letting a changed life show them that God has made a difference in me. And as soon as you get in, or they get in contact with an apostolic changed person. See, the Holy Ghost, I'll meddle for a moment. I, I love Holy Ghost worship. I love Holy Ghost worship. I, I love when, when, when people lift their hands and give God praise. I love when tears roll down a face. I love when the shout kicks on to somebody and maybe even a little run in the aisles begins to get. But I need that Holy Ghost to not just overflow in your worship. In fact, I don't need that Holy Ghost just to overflow into your Bible. I need that Holy Ghost to overflow in your Facebook. Maybe overflow in the TikToks you've been watching. Maybe overflow in the Facebook reels that you've been getting into. It needs to overflow in your eyes and everything you see. That Holy Ghost ought to overflow in your mouth. Every word that enters my mouth or comes out of my mouth, there ought to be a guard in front of it. And the Holy Ghost says, nope, that's not a word coming out. Nope, we're not going to let that come out. I need the Holy Ghost to overflow into your emotions where it says you can be angry but don't sin not. I need the Holy Ghost to overflow into your actions. There ought to be some things you can't do anymore. Why? Not because pastor preached about it. Not because the church told you you couldn't do it. But it ought to say, no, there is something within me that's changing me. I can't go to those places anymore. I can't do that anymore. I can't see that anymore. I can't talk about it anymore. I can't think about it anymore. Why? Because I am not just Holy Ghost touched. I'm Holy Ghost saturated. This world is looking for a church that radically knows Jesus. I was reading in, in, in the book of Acts, chapter 19, just here recently in my, my daily Bible reading, and I, I get to that place where it says the sons of Skeva, Paul. He, he God's doing extraordinary miracles, Psalm or uh, Acts 19:11. Paul's doing extraordinary miracles by the work of God through his hands. I mean, handkerchiefs or aprons that that somehow have touched Paul go back to the sick, and their diseases leave them. Bible says evil spirits come out of them. It's an apostolic revival. And there were these itinerant, the Bible calls them Jewish magicians. These these. Jewish exorcists that were watching, and they said, you know, we're kind of watching what Paul says. The magic word is he says in Jesus' name, like abracadabra or bippity-boppity-boo or supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. You know, if we'll say that, then we get the same power Paul's been exuding. And so they decide to go try it out, and the Bible says in, in, in verse uh, 13 that some of them undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. And they would say, I adjure you by, the, by Jesus whom Paul proclaims, and it says seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. At one point, the evil spirit answered them and said, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Let's do some math. One guy versus seven preachers. Their daddy was a high priest. And that one demonic possessed dude stripped him naked, beat him black and blue, and sent him out of the house. And they're wringing their hands going, we don't know what happened. I'll tell you what happened. It's very simple. What happened is you can't just play church. You can't just call on the name of the Lord anytime you want to call on the name of the Lord and think he's going to automatically incline his ear to you. No, what it means is if you're going to call the name of the Lord, you better live everything he said. You better get a hold of this word, and you better make it the same for you. My question is, does Jesus know who you are? If he doesn't know who you are, it's probably because you don't have a relationship with him. Coming to church on a Sunday morning and then not doing anything the rest of the week is not a relationship. Coming to church and lifting up some hands is not a relationship. But when I worship him on Sunday and then on Monday when I get up, I'm saying, Lord, I love you. I may not run the aisles around my house. I might not have done that, but I'll tell you, there's been plenty of times in my car that I've been driving down the road and that same spirit I felt on a Sunday infiltrates that car and tears begin to roll down my face and I begin to realize there is something about living for God on Monday just the same as you have lived on Sunday. A spirit-saturated, changed church. Those who walk after the flesh, they get their eyes on the flesh. They set their mind on the things of the flesh. The Bible says no man can serve two masters. I think our problem is we we try to give and take too much. We try to walk that line. It's, it's, It's Demas, Paul's response to Demas. Demas Having loved this present world has left, if you will, the ministry. He left the things of God. Why? Because it was just something he loved. I mean, I would really like to lose weight. Brother Caleb Randall went out to eat. They did an incredible job in the Southwest Camp Meeting doing children's service. Went out to eat. He's talking about how many, how many how many pounds have you lost? Thirteen pounds since January. I found him. I, I hate you, just so you know that. I mean, I'd love it. I'd love to go exercise like some of you fiends. Problem is love food and so when we go out to eat last night or Friday night he gets some cauliflower dish and I get a pile of nachos and some boom boom shrimp because I like food too much And the problem is God calls us to live a life of holiness and wholeness. And we begin to weigh out the things. And invariably, we get to a place where we say, yeah, but I like that. I'll give you anything else, Lord. And when that happens, we're just Holy Ghost touched. When that happens, we're just Holy Ghost shook, just Holy Ghost quivered. But when that sinner comes in, kneels down, and says, "God, I give you everything." Not one thing do I hold back. God, I'll give up anything. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And they lay it all at the altar. That's Holy Ghost saturated. Holy Ghost filled until it overflows. My cup runneth over. And so I'm asking today in Lighthouse. Do you want to just be Holy Ghost touched, Holy Ghost experience, or do you want an apostolic change? Where Peter said, I'm willing to, you know, at one point in the Gospels, Peter said, I'm willing to die for you. But Jesus knew he he wasn't ready and Jesus called him out on it. When it came to the end of Peter's life, he was ready to die for him, and he did so. Paul said, "I'm willing to die. My time, my, my, my time, my departure is at hand. I'm I'm willing to lay it all down. Ran the, the, the race. I fought the fight. I've let go of the things that that so easily beset me. I've let go of the weights and the sins. I've I, I've let it all go, and I've ran with purpose because I've been changed." Would you stand with me today? We sing the songs. I give myself away. We, we we talk about, Lord, my life is not my own. To you, I belong. We We can do all of that, but it means nothing if you're not Holy Ghost saturated. So I'm asking you today, as I open these altars and I bring you to a close probably as far as I'm going to take you In a little bit they'll put up a, a screen and it'll say thank you for joining us if you're ready to leave you can leave now but but I'm asking you this you've gotta Bible says it's that that sharper than his word that spirit of 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 the word it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it divides us under the joints and the marrow, able to get deep into the thoughts and the intents of the heart Are you willing to let the Holy Ghost do surgery on you? Are you willing to let the Holy Ghost open you up and and get into the deepest, darkest places that no one else knows and then speak to you about those? Convict you, guide you, direct you, lead you. If so, then you can be Holy Ghost saturated. If you resist that drawing, that convicting, that presence of God as it as it reaches deep into your life. If you resist that, then all you're doing is being Holy Ghost touched. Holy Ghost quivered. Holy Ghost shook. I want that valley of dry bones not to just rattle, but I want that valley of dry bones to stand and breathe and do something for God. Father, I love you. Your word is here. Your presence is here. When those two join, anything is possible. Lord, there's hungry hearts from the front to the back all in this place. Your glory is here. Your presence is here. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would guide and lead us into all truth. Lead us into everything you desire for us. Show us our deficiencies. Show us our blind spots. Show us where we're not measuring up. Let the Holy Ghost overflow into those elements of our life as well. Maybe we're really good at worshiping, but we're not really good at spiritual disciplines. Or maybe we can read our Bible every day, but it's been a while since we've talked to you. I don't know. Maybe there's unforgiven sin, unrepentant sin in our life. Maybe there's a hardness somewhere in us that we're not willing to give up. Maybe there's some bitterness that we're not willing to uproot. Lord, I don't want the Holy Ghost just to touch me. I want the Holy Ghost to saturate me. From the top of my head all the way to the inner part of my being, I want you to have control. And I give you praise and glory. I'm opening this altar. Would you come? Would you come and would you let him talk to you right now? Would you let him speak to you right now? Would you let him draw out to you right now in the name of Jesus? Saturate us. Saturate